In this episode, we talk to Uttara Telapatra, a marketeer, a mother, a podcaster, a writer, an author. We also go into our new format and we answer questions from you in the mailbag segment. Questions today are, is living alone a boon or a bane? And if you had a million dollars, what would you do? And finally, I bring back letters to myself, one of my cherished formats now in podcast form. Uh, towards the end, I talk about being happy and being out of depression. All this and more in today's Everyday People. Hello and welcome back to Everyday People Tuesdays at 10. My name is Vaibhav. I'm here very excited because it's a new format. First of all, the new music you heard is actually an original piece which I got commissioned by my friend Bhavna. So thank you so much, Bhavna. I love it. It sounds beautiful. And if you liked it, please leave a comment about it. Uh, now we have a new format of the show. The interview itself is longer. Instead of five questions in the interview, I have made it into five sections, which lends itself to an hour of discussion or more. Today, we are speaking to Uttara Talapatra. As I mentioned in the sting in the opening, uh, she is a podcaster, an author, a mother. And it was a very fun conversation to talk to her. I had actually interviewed her before. But I forgot that I had the interview recorded uh, in blog format. So here we are with a fresh new interview. We conducted this only last week and I had this slot blocked for her. You'll really, really, really enjoy this conversation with her. Also, as part of the new format of the show, I'm introducing two new segments, a mailbag where I answer questions from you. If you'd like to send me a question or a letter to feature on the show, please email webhavguptahu at substack.com. I know it's a terrible email id i'm really sorry i'm bad at branding but uh, if you are listening to this on a podcast platform you should see it in the description uh, however i would much prefer if you would come over to substack or if you signed up uh, to the email newsletter so that you can receive the post description as it is intended to be viewed with a lot of pictures and videos and summaries i've written down the mailbag answers i've written down the letters to myself and i've pulled out a few quotes from our uh, interview, which I plan to do every week. So if you are uh, listening to it on a, another platform and would like to see the written version, please come to webhaguptahu.substack.com. I'm, I'm trying to get a shorter uh, a domain. Let's see how that works out. But for now, it's my name, webhagupta, who.substack.com or click the link in the description. So here we go for our first segment uh, with Uttara Talapatra. Please enjoy this conversation and then please stick around afterwards for the two new sections as well. So uh, Uttara Talapatra, welcome to Everyday People. The first question, as always, is who are you, what do you do, and what is your current side project? Hi, Weber. Very, very nice to be here with you. And thank you so much uh, for having me here on your show. Uh, Yes, so uh, I guess the reason you called me is because I sort of wear a couple of different hats. This was to my professional and my personal time. So technically, if anybody asked me and if I was doing a job interview, my answer would have been I'm a marketer. I have 17 years worth of marketing experience in the FMPG space and so on and so forth. Worked with several marquee brands, etc. On the side though, uh, I really love a lot of creative stuff. I have been writing and I have been running my own podcast now for the past two plus years. And I'm also a short story writer uh, in the adult genre. 
and I have a couple of uh, published works which are available on Amazon and on Kindle. But the project which is closest to my mind right now and for which specifically I think we are having this conversation is obviously the podcast that I currently run. So it's a children's podcast. Uh, it's called Once Upon a Time with Uttara. And we recently celebrated 225 episodes of that podcast. <laughs> Even I did not realize how quickly we reached that milestone. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been a great journey and it's been very, very creatively fulfilling. So I really enjoyed that. So uh, you mentioned that you wrote, you're an adult writer, but a children's podcaster. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's a dichotomy, yeah. (laughs) As well as being in marketing, as well as uh, having a family and all of that. So you are juggling a lot of things. We've talked about uh, juggling before we started recording. Tell me why you do it. Like what sort of pushes you to do more than one thing and sort of go out of, you know, the comfort level that most people have, like just, you know, job, home, that's enough. You're doing a lot more things. Why? Uh, I think if I had to put it in one simple word, it's just because I'm passionate about a whole lot of things. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, I think that there is only one life, right? So unless and until I'm able to carve out time and able to, you know, try and do several different things, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. Unfortunately, reality of life is that everyone has to work, everyone has to earn a living. So that part of it is obviously a given. But uh, even my family life... um, so the podcast actually came about because of my son. So hmm. my son, now he's eight plus years old. So he's quite a big boy in his own words. Uh, but back when he was like one and a half, two, uh, I started narrating stories to him. And uh, I realized that I very quickly ran through the usual, you know, the usual uh, list of fairy tales, the usual, you know, suggested stories and all of that. But the thing was that I also started realizing that some of those tales may have been great for the time when they were written, but they may not really be very relevant to our children in today's day and age. And those were not the kind of uh, values also that I wanted him to grow up with. So I started manufacturing and creating my own stories and telling him. And it quickly became a ritual. And I love the fact how he took it for granted that every night, Mama, what is the story to write? What is the story to write? So it was like I kept, I started telling him that you treat me like an on-demand story generator. I don't think. So this went on for a couple of years. Obviously, um, uh, work was demanding. Careers were very, very busy and all of that was happening. So this was just something that was a nighttime ritual between the two of us. Um, However, Uh, things changed and then the pandemic hit and then we all were stuck at home for the longest time and I had some extra time on hand and I realized that it is now or never and uh, I converted this whole thing of this daily storytelling kind of a thing into a more structured format Mm -hmm. and that's how the podcast came into being and that's how the stories came into being and uh, even after things got back to normal and everything, I realized that it's a question of managing time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I regret it one bit. Yes, I mean, given a choice, I would like to give it far, far more time uh, than I currently can. But uh, it's it's one of the most rewarding journeys, just, uh, you know, creatively fulfilling. So it's it's wonderful. Would you say your podcast is the thing that you focus on the most or do you 
do you still find like your daily job is or is is the podcast your daily job i'm i'm not sure no no the podcast is not my daily job uh, i continue to work as a marketer in fact i just launched the new d2c brand uh, in this premium skincare space it's called mm-hmm. riju but i i literally just launched it so the last one year has been fairly crazy uh, in that sense uh, work has been very very demanding but uh, the podcast is something that you know that sort of keeps me going so among the 20 things that i need to do on a regular right. basis uh, it may be the last in terms of what it actually adds back to me professionally but in in my in my you know emotionally fulfilling space it is it is very very high and that was one thing that i promised to myself that irrespective of what happens to the regular you know 9 to 5 career i am not going to stop this so the only concession web of honesty that i have had to make over the past year and a half is right. that earlier i used to be able to release two episodes every week now unfortunately that has dropped down to an episode every week but mm-hmm. come hail or high water i try and ensure that i stick to that and that doesn't uh, suffer i'm sure any uh, the few regular listeners i have will be very happy to hear you say that <laughs> you know you publish every week come hello hi what i have taken liberal breaks with my own podcast <laughs> i i'm sure you can appreciate how difficult it is to you know stick to that routine and yeah uh, i mean sometimes it takes a toll more than you know yeah it, it, and it's honestly like there are so many factors uh, we'll we'll talk more about like uh, your podcast and your job from a work aspect in the next few sections but um yeah like as far as just load is concerned right like there's so many different factors that affect it one is you know just as a creative person you're trying to do new things all the time which means you're trying to yeah. learn new things all the time Absolutely. right so like learning to produce and edit a podcast make it like you're thinking about the structure of it you're thinking about like voice levels and audio levels and all that and then later you're editing and you're looking for clips that you're going to either write a quote so you're going to publish there's so many things to learn <laughs> like it, at first it it just takes a lot of time and then as you keep doing it it gets easier and easier and your production time reduces right so like in an in a good world i would uh, edit a few episodes ahead and like have them published and i would spend sunday based on my schedule i would spend sunday editing podcasts for the last four or five weeks i have remained consistent but i've edited like 30 minutes before the podcast had to go out so it goes out tuesdays at 10 o'clock So I would edit okay. like Tuesday seven a.m. onwards, and then I'll publish it. Oh, I absolutely identify with that web. I mean, my schedule is every Thursday at seven a.m., mm-hmm. and I've had weeks where I've sat editing on Friday. Ah, uh, sorry, on Wednesday night at like post twelve. Once everything is quiet, yeah, and that happens. That happens quite often. But but do you find now? You said two twenty-five episodes. Do you find that now when you're editing is just you fall into a flow and it like yeah. you know a couple of hours pass without any uh overwhelming stress you're just able to start and finish and then you feel okay and you pop put it out is that the case or correct correct obviously as as i have been doing it for a bit i have also learned on the job so i can obviously plan it a little bit better i can plan the time also better and like you said the same same amount of work which would take me like an hour earlier probably mm-hmm. takes me half the time now so yes for sure nice and like do you try and stay a few episodes ahead or are you still like making up on the week as it goes so again like you said in an ideal world i try to stay at least 2 to 3 episodes ahead mm-hmm. but 
especially given the fact that i just came out of a brand launch in the last yeah. month that that last one and a half two months was very very stressful so i was struggling almost every week to meet my creative quota of the podcast yeah. but uh, otherwise yes i'm now hoping to catch up uh, for, for the next couple of months so i don't miss any of the holiday season yeah i mean honestly like you are a special case and this episode we are recording on wednesday it will go out next uh, tuesday i have i blocked that slot especially for you uh, full disclosure to anybody listening i actually interviewed uh, utara a couple of years ago when the pandemic started uh, and we did it in blog format in the, the way i used to like just text and get the interview over whatsapp um but i forgot that i had it in stock and so when we reconnected uh, recently i said cool i moved it to a podcast i i would love for you to do an updated interview here instead uh but yeah so like you are a special case but i'm now trying to get together like about five or six i try to batch five or six episodes together and then edit them week to week just makes it easier for me um you also said you're an author you're a published author i think three collections of short stories so there were three collections when we spoke last one more has been added now so <laughs> so if you go and search on amazon uh, or on kindle for my name you will get all of them amazing and But quickly can you name them much, can you name your collection uh, yeah so one is called surprises uh the oldest one is called just plain bad luck which is not only mine which was an anthology where i also contributed with a lot of other first time writers and mm-hmm. then there is one called woman on top mm-hmm. and uh, then there is one called sleep in pieces which is a standalone story nice and these are all like um, in the length of five consumables yeah, yeah. so i'm assuming like your book length is about 10000 12000 words or is it more is it 50000 like novel total no no about, no no about 10 12000 yeah you're right so uh i'm a professional writer i'm sure i've told you at some point yeah uh, and thankfully now like i i get paid full time but also with the podcast and the blog and everything i've been able to monetize it a little bit thank you i have four paid subscribers wonderful <laughs> wow that's awesome <laughs> so for them uh, for like the current and future paid subscribers i'm creating a library of fiction that i'm publishing okay so okay that's awesome i have enough of that to compile it into my own anthology you know put it out on the kindle store plus like a couple of friends have asked me to write a 5 to 10k word standalone story and publish okay. that as like a you know short novel novella so that's in the works but again like trying to juggle all of it is kind of, so how how do you find like juggling so many things you said you just launched a cosmetic actually let's move into the second section then we'll talk more about your work in detail we'll just take sure. a break okay so for our second section we're talking about work we're talking about money we're talking about business uh okay. Utra you uh, mentioned earlier that you st- you launched your own cosmetic brand Reju uh it's not my own i launched it for a startup so for i was startup. working with a market yes for that. got it yes so, yes so, so what I goes was... into that sort of like is it a product launch or was it a company launch no it's a complete brand launch as if the company did not exist before this mm-hmm. uh, so the company was incorporated and then the brand was launched so the brand is called Reju it's a premium skin care brand right so uh, face and body care essentially and washes etc 
So uh, the brand has a very interesting proposition uh, in that it talks about bio-specific hydration, which is curated from different parts of the world based on the ingredients that you get from there. So right. we have ingredients which come from the Nile River Basin region. We have ingredients that come from the uh, uh, islands of South Korea, from the Jeju Island region, and we have ingredients from the Gangotri region. Yeah. There is one more range which is in the offing, which I can't talk about right now, or they'll have to shoot me, uh, but which will get launched in a, another couple of months soon. Yeah, so, I understand. So, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so they're, yeah. they're competing in the same domain as um, Lush, the body company, Himalaya, those sort of companies? Not exactly Himalaya, but uh, more like, say, a Kama or a Forest Essentials right. uh, from an imagery and from a premiumness of the product kind of perspective. Yeah. Himalaya becoming more co- consumer and more like accessible. Yes. Yes. So they, are a, yeah, they are a luxury, luxury or they're like a high-end cosmetic, right? Correct. 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 So this was your latest project. You said you've worked as a marketer, I think now for 15 or 17 years or something like 17 that. Years, yes, 17 yes, years. Yes, that's so, right. <laughs> years, Don't ask me how old I am. <laughs> I never, never uh, so tell me like about your um, profession as a marketer. You, you, I remember you telling me that you did a business degree like, and you were always interested in marketing out of college. Right. So and, and I have notes. Uh, so you said the two things you like most about uh, marketing are consumer inciting and creative messaging. So, so tell me about all of that. Sure, sure. So web of that hasn't changed. Consumer inciting and creative messaging still remain my two most favorite aspects of marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, interesting that you should mention about uh, me being in marketing for the past, say, 17 odd years. Um, but the thing is that back when I was just completing my MBA and I am an MBA from Tapni Manipal, um, I honestly did not really appreciate everything that it entailed. Right. Uh, for me, marketing was only about what I had seen, you know, in terms of these pieces of communication that were put out or these ads, ads that you yeah. there. And this is, this was still pre-digital, right? So it's not like you could just go and read up on esoteric topics and subjects that others couldn't tell you about. So it was very traditional and very, you know, I mean, case study based and whatever was there in the libraries, etc. However, despite all of that, the mere fact that as a specialization, it was an area of work that allowed you to communicate with consumers and therefore pass your message on and try and change their mind about something. That was the core aspect of it, which which really appealed to me back then. And that continues to be the most important or the most interesting thing that I still find. It's a whole different thing that the tools that we use now or the methods that we use to communicate might have changed drastically. Mm -hmm. But the basic reason for existence still remains the same. So um, in fact, in TAPME, when we had our placement season and all of that, uh, TAPME wasn't really known for its marketing um, pass outs at that point of time. Although obviously things have changed since then, but uh, we literally had Titan and Radio Mirchi that used to come to campus at that point of time and offer marketing uh, roles. Right. I was so hung up on the idea and I was so sure. See, I'm, an, I'm also an engineer. So the easiest thing for me would have been to join either yeah. a Wipro or an Infosys or whatever. And 
it's a good career it's a stable career you're a short some amount of growth blah 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 which 90% of my batch did but i was so certain that that was not what i wanted to do i did not want to spend the rest of my time in in the rest of my life in term in terms of in the tech space that uh, i held off sitting in any interviews and i remember the panic calls that i used to receive from my parents saying that your placement season is on how many interviews have you sat for yeah. what have you cleared and i was like i mean i actually told them please don't ask me if and when something happens i will tell you because i was too scared to tell them that i never sat for an interview at all <laughs> so titan came to campus on the second last day uh, that we uh, that we were closing our uh, campus placements Mm-hmm. and fortunately uh, i got an opportunity with them and that kick started my whole journey in the fmcg space and in the sales and marketing consumer domain and uh, it's been it's been great it's been great i think i definitely made the right decision i would have like withered and died if i had been in it um, but i think uh, I, i i had a, i've had a great run i mean touch wood no complaints whatsoever I've had a chance to work with great organizations with great people with great teams trying a lot of new and different things working on multiple brands across the years and it's been a great ride so so yeah it's been yeah, a I lot mean, of fun I mean IT just saying I mean it's okay like you I am very sorry I am very <laughs> sorry I have a lot of friends who are in IT and there are many of them who love it I yeah. hope you fall in that category I'm I'm joking but I I uh, do <laughs> find it interesting because so i am a professional writer in it i had an option of going more into the business side at the beginning of my own career i could have gone into like eny risk assessment and risk management and all that instead i went this side as a documentation guy um i find in general that it like you find a lot of introverts and i, I mean it's a broad generalization it's a broad brush but um, it you find a lot of introverts and then the business side you find a lot of extroverts like would you say you're an extrovert um and what does that mean in your life it's an interesting like dichotomy i always find with guests introvert versus extrovert so that's why i'm asking you about this i think it's a very interesting question that you ask so i would honestly say and i'm confessing this on a public podcast uh, i mean as far as business requirements are concerned i'm an extrovert but my core inner circle is very very small so in that sense i'm a very private person so it i don't know where i would place myself whether in an introvert or an extrovert bracket so i love to perform i love to be on stage but after that i like my own personal that space. is a that is a different person that is a yeah 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 so again i have been on stage since the age of 4 so i can tell you, <laughs> like for people who don't know when you go on stage you are always a different character now if you're if you're absolutely if you're inexperienced that's just whatever you are doing as you get more and more experience it becomes an entire different persona with a different name if you want so yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, here's like how we define introvert extrovert introverts are basically people who recharge when they're alone and they feel like strengthened when they're alone and extroverts are people who get recharged when they're out with other people so do you do you find that you are more excited and energetic with people or alone so that's what i was that's what i was uh, getting to web that it depends on the situation so if for instance i have to make a pitch and if for instance i have to win a pitch and i do that then i am like the most extroverted person in that room at that point of time yeah. and it really gives me a high and it's a hugely positive feeling but at the same time 
if i'm at home on a sunday afternoon and i just want to you know have two hours to myself i will curl up in bed with a book and that will be the best time ever as well so i think it's swing so i mean that's something that i have never been able to answer about myself and that's um, you're interested in knowing also yeah because it sort of works you know yeah, i mean it, it, yeah it doesn't matter it it doesn't it, it it's actually proved to be a benefit in both situations Yeah. at the same time i have had i have had situations where i have been at maybe a social mixer and i have you know not been in that not frame of mind and i have not spoken to a single soul so that has also happened so so like i'll i'll give you context on why i ask about this right so i am an extrovert like okay. i have gone so back and forth on you know thinking no i am an introvert no i am an ambivert but no, <laughs> but no i find that i get a lot of energy with people having said that because of being a writer and then of uh, because i was working from home before it was cool um mm-hmm. i've had i've been forced to spend a lot of time alone and right. so like coming to terms with that like you said you end up finding that both mindsets uh, are balanced and they become important in different situations uh, so right. it's always interesting to get like another person's perspective so thank you for sharing uh, <laughs> uh coming back to your work stuff so if you you said primarily you work as a marketer and that's where your bread comes from uh, right at the moment uh, do you have like a are you like a solopreneur or do you have like a marketing firm that then works with people or how you sort of managing your business as such okay so in the marketing domain at the moment i am working with a startup so the organization yeah, yeah yeah i'm i'm full time employed yes yes absolutely And so uh, you work with certain clients and like you get assigned and you work with them right i'm assuming no 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 I, so i work with this organization so the organization is called riverine body care and the brand that we just launched is riju so i worked as the chief oh. marketing officer and business head for them got it got yeah. it got it so yeah. so no because why i got confused is because uh, i have information again from your previous interview that you worked with many large brands titan um right Unilever, Raymond, and L'Oreal uh, yes, as the examples. Yes, yes. So each yes. time was it a full-time thing, or was it like hasn't been different at different points in your career? No, no, it has always been as an employee. Full-time, got it. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's not a marketing agency. It's like you're working in the marketing departments of big correct, companies. Correct. Got it. Correct. Uh, have you ever thought about having like a marketing agency or like striking off and working off with diverse number of clients? so uh, so very honestly speaking i think if it was a question of starting out of my on my own mm-hmm. i don't think it would be by way of a marketing agency per se um just given the kind of things that i'm interested in i think it would be more in the space of either creating something like say for instance creating a completely new brand or an offering from scratch i could either go in that direction or and if uh, economics and time permits then i would love to be an entrepreneur in the creative space so i mean if i can actually earn money out of that and if i can make that into my bread and butter that would be like the most ideal thing to do i i think it's time for uh, me to pull you away from anchor into substack then so uh, <laughs> because I, i was also previously on anchor okay okay right so and anchor is a great platform um you know it did distribute my podcast to spotify and apple and google and whatever right so for, right like for however few many episodes i published i mm-hmm. was en- enthused by the 
small audience I had. I, I think I got about 800, 900 plays. I know your podcast okay. has over 10,000 listens. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I would say like, because the problem with Anchor is that it does not pay in India. I don't, it's a US. Correct, only, right? correct. That's been, that's been something that I've actually been hoping will change. And since the time that I've signed on, they have been sending newsletters saying that we are working on it and it'll happen. And since obviously this is not my bread and butter, I have been waiting for it because now obviously it's a question of being invested in it also. Right. So. I mean, you are uh, in the sense of being invested, you are very committed to your project. Um, I would say like you, since you said creative, like I'm sort of reforming the idea of you that I had was very much like this, you know, uh, traveling marketer works with a lot of, but now I'm learning now you're a full-time like marketing professional for one brand at a time. And so like, I'm reforming this idea, but on the other hand, you're like super creative as far as just, you know, writing stuff and then podcasts and everything. So unironically just come to Substack. It's fantastic. (laughs) It takes five minutes to import everything. Okay. Check it out. It's a, it's a good platform. So like I I just received my first uh, paid like amount from a subscriber uh, this this past weekend. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Many, many congratulations. The first one is always the most special. Yeah. And it's uh, that, that person's birthday today. And I wish to, Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, like uh, it's nice. It just automates all of it for you. And for me, especially like just the moment I got that first email, oh, you have a paid subscriber. Like I set up the paid subscriptions as a thought, ki, okay, eventually three or four years later, somebody will sign up huh. to, to see it happen within a month. It was a friend of mine, hmm. but still like, I did not ask them for it. They signed up sure, because sure. the platform prompted them. Sure. And Absolutely. they thought the thing I, the things I was producing had value. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is just like a supercharge for me that, hey, now I cannot afford to be sort of very lackadaisical with with this. Yeah. Because somebody's paying for it. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah. And with great money also, well, it's not great money, but with, <laughs> with some money comes great uh, pressure. So, <laughs> and, and then, you know, to see that from one to two to three to four now, within the span of mm. two weeks, I have four paid subscribers. It's not it's not going to run my house, but it is a, a very validating feeling that, hey, what you're producing is valuable to somebody. They're willing to pay for it, right? And Absolutely. You're so you're so enthusiastic about your podcast and we'll we'll talk about that only in the context of family and everything in the next section. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like because you're doing it, I I would say it would be like an extra boost of energy to you. And I think it would also get at the audience that it deserves, I guess. <laughs> very nice of you to say that. Very kind of you to say that. Thank you. And I shall definitely check out the platform. <laughs> I keep in touch with you afterwards and like I'll send it to you. Um, sure. But uh, so before I move on to the next section, actually, I do want to talk about the person who recommended you for an mm-hmm. interview two years ago. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Uh, this this show of mine works on the basis of recommendations. I started by interviewing my friends. And then I okay. asked them, okay, you introduce me to a friend of yours that I haven't talked to and I'll interview them. Mm. Mm. And so like there are two different versions of this show where one, I'm talking to my friends. To this day, I'll catch some friends when I 
don't have guests honestly and <laughs> um and then they recommend people and then i meet people like you who i'm talking to for the first time right, right. i love having the first conversation in this recording space which is it's nice so you were recommended to me by vandana rangarajan Mm. uh who herself was recommended to me by her sister vanita rangarajan who is my friend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so vanita and i know each other through toastmasters and then i talked to vandana uh she was episode 97 i had a huge crush on her after i i uh, <laughs> after i interviewed her uh is this going to be in the public segment of this podcast i am not ashamed of saying i had, I had <laughs> no, a no, that's why that's why crush on somebody <laughs> she has two kids and she is married uh how do you know her and like what's your friendship with her like uh i actually know vandana through my husband mm-hmm. uh so for the longest time they used to work in the same organization india right. infoline and uh, we sort of connected outside of office and we built up a friendship and a rapport we've now been on holidays and trips together mm-hmm. and uh, her kids are absolute sweethearts and uh, the cherry on top i think is that they love the podcast as well so <laughs> both her kids have like uh, told all their friends in school and everything <laughs> to go and listen to the podcast so it's been a great time and it's been great knowing them and uh, it's it's been good fun do you find that you like lean on your friends kids as your alpha testing group like where you're getting your data from or no 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 i don't because i i love my friends i don't want to lose them <laughs> not that way but if some of them uh, listen and some of them give feedback then of course i mean i take it into cognizance yeah, actually nice. the reason that i got into it was because many of them came back and said that uh, how come you tell ayan so many stories on a regular basis and why don't you share those stories with us because we are at our wits end about what to do now Yeah. so that's how the recording bit of it started in the first place and then i quickly realized that uh, it it's a nice way of reaching out to a lot of people because i think a lot of young parents would be facing this concern on a regular basis so let's use exactly that thread of a uh, conversation in our next section when you talk about your podcast okay so just before this section started uh, utra mentioned that uh, say that again like in your own words about the tuning out bit yeah Uh, I said that I hope this conversation has some value and some interest for the listeners because otherwise you don't want them to tune out. Right. So here's the thing. I love my listeners but I don't care about them <laughs> in the sense of <laughs> in the sense of um I don't exactly know how people listen. Some people listen for you know 15 minutes, some people listen to a whole episode. Like I am mm-hmm. the sort of person to uh, whatever content i'm consuming i try and consume it you know long form so mm-hmm. i i regularly listen to like 3 hour 4 hour podcasts or watch 3 hour 4 hour shows but i know okay. a lot of people are the you know the more uh, reels generation like they prefer the 15 second right. stuff so right. why i don't consider my listeners is because i know that if i can have the best conversation possible right my my feedback is two people my guest and me you and i mm. Mm. right as long as we are having fun the conversation will be fun i trust that much enough right so no complaints from my side on that front fantastic i'm glad you're enjoying it <laughs> so we are going to uh, this section is about your podcast yeah. um and 
through that also your son and your uh, husband your husband who is your college sweetheart as i <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that seems like ages ago now but yes that is actually true yeah and i noted that you said that both of you are conscious parents and the whole yeah, inspiration yeah. for the podcast as you mentioned here also is that you were running out of stories to tell your son yeah since we've discussed the origin of that since we've told the spiderman one movie already where uncle ben dies uh, mm-hmm. let's move on to spiderman 2 uh in the last few years mm-hmm. or let's say like specifically in the last two years during the pandemic when you found more time to do the podcast what are the main things you're noticing about it as a project that excite you because i often okay. tell people like people who are trying to do something new whether it's mm-hmm. losing weight or whether it's something creative like this uh mm-hmm. they find that they have difficulties putting it into their life or being consistent with it and i say mm. you'll only be consistent with something as long as you it's bringing you more value than the effort is taking right you're enjoying absolutely it. absolutely so talk to me about your podcast as in terms of like you personally enjoying it as a creative pro- product that you're making mm-hmm. and mm. what has been the satisfaction in like developing it and changing how it is presented over time okay okay fair so that's a very interesting question webhub and has lots of legs to it in terms of the answers so like i said when i uh, started off uh, it wasn't to be very very honest with you it wasn't like this great thought out plan i did not even realize that i would have to plan for like xyz number of episodes ahead i was more about figuring out what platforms to use what tech to use i was figuring out all by myself all on my own so that itself was a journey in itself um, and and it was good fun um at that point of time when i started out i think the easiest part was the stories mm-hmm. because i already had so many stories that i was telling my son on a regular basis then of course there was the whole picking and choosing of which stories are actually worth sending out into the world and worth other people listening to it etc um one of the things that i was very very conscious about the podcast right from day one and i continue to be it's one of my priorities that i have is that i do not want the stories to be preachy mm-hmm. i do not want the stories to advocate any particular thing so mm-hmm. i mean while i do while there is a particular series called the swap series which is uh, stories with a purpose kind of a series that i it is it is very clearly mentioned that this is a swap story and the objective of the story is to tell you about a historical figure or to tell you about some incidents that happened but at no point of time do i ever try and say that this is good and this is bad because right. i think we live in very complicated times and i think the basic principles of being good people mm-hmm. that if it is taken care of i don't think anything else needs to be as in you always have to tell the truth you don't have to bully people you always have to share yeah. uh, you can't be mean to people i mean it it is all implied in the stories themselves i don't really go out and say it so i have shied away from doing that um, sorry i'm so sorry uh, you mentioned in particular that like when you ran out of old stories to tell you also realized that you know they were okay for their time as you said so yeah. the immediate example i'm thinking of is aesop's fables like okay. your classic uh, at least for me it was like I, the original set of stories that you were that and then uh, your grim brothers german right. 
stories. Right. So like all of them come with this lesson of, you know, have good behavior, otherwise bad things will happen to you. And like we are moving on and we're living in more complicated times where you don't want to preach. So what does modern storytelling look like? And I'm sorry, you can continue if you still have that thought. No, uh, no, no problem. No problem. So that's a very important thought, actually. So so like I said, I think kids today are much, much smarter. They are uh, much more exposed to things that are going on uh, around the world. And just by virtue of the information that, that they are exposed to, I truly believe that their understanding is far deeper than what it would have been for our generation or the generations prior at that right. age. And therefore, I do try and stay away from, you know, making a moral standpoint out of the stories. Mm -hmm. While this is actually one of the feedback that parents have actually come back to me, to me with saying that, can, can you do a story about kindness? Or can you do a story about friendship? I said, why don't you listen to this particular episode or this particular story or this particular chapter? It is about kindness. It is about friendship. It is about um, uh, uh, loyalty. It is about uh, being honest or being truthful always, but mm -hmm. you will not have it said out loud in so many words because right. the child is, is smart enough to understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. I mean, and I believe, and this is something that I have realized with my own son also, that if they enjoy what they are listening to, then they automatically take that uh, out of the story without you having to say it out in so many words. And this whole fear psychosis, what you just mentioned about that, if you don't do this, then something bad will happen. Yeah. I never want that to be like, you know, the reason for anybody trying to be good. You be good because you're supposed to be good because that is the right thing to do. You don't be good because something bad will happen to you. No, that defeats the whole purpose of being good then. So that's very, very important to me. So I've tried to maintain that throughout, irrespective of whatever series I've done. So in fact, uh, the podcast is, is structured and there are like different buckets, content buckets, if I may put it that way. Mm -hmm. So there's the usual stories, the regular stories, which don't really, which are not really episodic or which are not really connected, which are standalone stories. So that's the first main bucket of stories. Then there is something called a series called uh, Draco. So there is Draco who is supposed to be this friendly dragon. And uh, this is a completely um, make-believe world. And this is a completely hypothetical situation. So my, you, you, you've written it. I've written it. Yes, yes, yes. of course. This is all of these stories are original. I mean, none of none of the stories on my podcast are derivatives. I Okay, yes. Derivatives, I think, was would have been the word I was... Not that you like took it from somebody, but something that you were inspired to know. You you've come up with your own like world building and all of that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So it's so it's like a complete universe unto itself, and there are certain characters. And this series of stories is episodic. Draco right now is in its third season, uh, as as a set of stories in itself. Nice. So I know that that set of stories is more to bring the whole sense of adventure, to bring the whole sense of friendship. I mean, there's a lot of action in that series of stories and all of that. So mm -hmm. that serves a different uh, mindset. So I, I know there are a lot of kids who are like regular listeners to Draco episodes. And since I release all of them interspersed with each other, I get specific very. When is the next Draco episode coming? When is the next Draco episode coming? So, yeah. so that's fun. Do like long form is that's, that's yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. 
then there is a series uh, which is about a boy and his dog mm-hmm. and both of them happen to receive superpowers and they can turn into superheroes i'm trying so, to remember the name because i i read it in your previous interview <laughs> no problem let me refresh your memory yes, they right. they are called googlu boy and nutty nut nut yes so that is again so that i have while the central characters translate over many many episodes so i think googlu boy as a series itself has more than 40 episodes now but it's like it's it's bite sized stories so mm-hmm. they have an adventure they solve something and then they move on and then another situation uh, comes up and so on and so forth so for the googlu boy series i have consciously tried to deal with things that children in today's day and age might face like say for example bullying say for example um untruthfulness in whatever form or way right. say for example some amount of adventure kind of thing some amount of environmentally linked things and so on and so forth i've i've tried to curate and create the stories in such a way so that while the boy and the dog the super boy and the super dog are the central characters but at the same time the kids listening to the stories might be able to relate that this is something that oh if i were ever in a situation like that what could i possibly do kind it's, of a thing it's a superhero for toddlers essentially <laughs> not exactly toddlers a slightly older uh, i i would say do you yeah. find that your audience is a, like your focus audience is changing as your son is aging does your son remain your primary audience or have you- um maybe not so much anymore he is very very interested in the gublu boy series and in the draco series mm-hmm. but the other ones not so much because yes obviously you're absolutely right he is also growing up and he is like mama now don't ask me for feedback on this one this one is for babies so tell me when the next draco story is coming or tell me what you are writing there so that i can tell you before you record it so <laughs> he's also like my sounding board in terms of uh, what draco should do next or what the so there's a sen- there's a central character who is a boy who is a dragon rider so he sometimes does the voice overs for that character so sometimes i make him uh, yeah sorry go ahead so sometimes i make him record the dialogues in isolation without exposing the rest of the copy to him so he's like you're ask you're making me do all this recording but you're not telling me what the story is <laughs> so he he is a fan who has crossed the barrier into production <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> but now he has to deal with the bureaucracy of it which is you do the work and the reward will come later <laughs> <laughs> you know he's been giving me dialogues dialogues like you know what's the point of being the storyteller's son if you won't even expose the story to me first <laughs> you, you tell him that the actors don't get to see the final movie <laughs> but anyway yeah so those are three and then there are two other series one uh, the swap sto- uh, swap series of stories that i was telling you so yeah. i have consciously hand picked some historical uh, people or some uh, some uh elements which are important to us in terms of the environment that we live in so i did a series on the olympics etc i did a series on environment i did a story on literacy and the world literacy day etc so so stuff like that so that series of stories is slightly more heavy on information as opposed to only being a story story and then finally i have already completed this now back when we were speaking this was still wip uh i have i have narrated the entire ramayan um yes you had mentioned till till the point that they all reach back safely to ayodhya and everybody is happy 
I did not proceed beyond that. But that is like an entire series of 34 episodes that I've done. And for, basically. Yeah. And for that one, you know, I really struggled because I try to keep it as relevant and as um, relatable to today's children as possible. Because even now, I mean, and no judgments, there are lots of parents for whom it's like, this is the story of a God and you have to treat it with respect and all of that. That's, that's fine. But mm-hmm. the way that I've tried to go about it is not about narrating the story of a God, but simply narrating the story of a prince who had an amazing adventure mm-hmm. and all the associated things around it. And mm-hmm. what are the takeaways that we can get out of it? So this is also the only format in which it has also been narrated in a question answer kind of a format in several of the episodes where the questioner basically is my son who is representative of kids listening to it. And I built that in into the content because I assume that there would be similar questions that would occur to other children while they are even listening to the story, which may not always be very easy for other adults to, you know, explain or to, um, I mean, or give an unbiased perspective, so to say. I've, I, I mean, I've tried my level best to do that, but now I don't know. I mean, you yeah. can listen to it and tell me what you think. You can only do your best. Uh, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on the, on all of these series, are you the primary narrator or do you have someone else occasionally work? I know you said your son does a little bit for for the hero, for, for, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like, do you have any other narrators or is it just you? No, no. Unfortunately, it is only me uh, because uh, due to the pot- paucity of time and due to crazy schedules and no prior fixed schedules, it is very hard to, you know, sort of time this with anyone else. Hmm. So I try my best to do like five different characters with five different voices as far as possible. So I would yeah. love to like contribute to your show. Like if you just wanted a different voice. Because I like I'm see, I am a big time like stage ham, right? As you can tell by my <laughs> personality. Um, so like I've got a lot of stage experience, a lot of Toastmasters public speaking experience. And now with the podcast, I'm like quite comfortable talking into the mic. I would awesome. love to like do a story with you if uh, you wanted a different writer at some point, a different voice at some point. Sure, sure. Absolutely. I will completely take you up on that uh, if and when I end up writing something like that. I mean, I- I'd love to. You said uh, you've done voiceover work before, right? So that's professional voiceover work for for a media product? Uh, yes, for a couple of products, although it was never professional. I mean, it is something that I have enjoyed doing. So just like you, I have also spent most of my school time and my college time on stage. Mm-hmm. So I really get a high from that. And uh, I realized that one of the things that works in my favor is my voice. So uh, I had this friend of mine who... A couple of years ago was running a sort of production house. Mm -hmm. So they had a lot of uh, small projects that were there where they required some sample voiceovers and some people to just read out some stuff just to help them out kind of a basis. They were not professional projects in that sense. So um, I, I did all of that. And uh, I think I have done precisely three professional projects where I have actually got paid. Otherwise, uh, the rest of the stuff has pretty much been because I enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You are roughly in the age bracket of 30 to 50, somewhere in that bracket. Uh, (laughs) I like that classification. (laughs) That's comfortable, right? That's a good classification. 
um so you're somewhere in that bracket and um uh you you find that you, sorry i'm i'm rambling now your your uh, podcast is again for a younger audience but you said your written work was for an older audience i myself am 30 mm. now mm. so um is your written work suited to me as um like would it be targeted towards me or is it, would it be something that i just enjoy reading because i like reading i i don't think it is uh, anything specific as targeted is just that when i meant that it is for an older audience is that it's not suitable for children because wow. uh, yeah because the topics of the stories they well, range from say yeah. yeah yeah so my personal choices in terms of uh, reading are tend to veer a lot towards detective and uh, tend to veer a lot towards murder mysteries and stuff like that mm-hmm. so the genre in which i end up writing also sort of ends up mimicking some of those things so which is why i said that those are not for obviously kids consumption purely from that point of view general adult like as a young adult and adult yes 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 i mean anybody over 15 can read it yeah fantastic so again uh, more comparable to like uh, agatha christie sort of situation actually an agatha christie or say a john grisham or i mean yeah stuff like that <sighs> so between books marketing podcast have i missed anything i think i've spoken about everything to you briefly because i asked you about it last time Uh, tell me uh-huh. about your husband and your son <laughs> <laughs> yes yes of course so my husband and i we met in college uh, we went to tapney uh, incidentally he and i almost did the exact same papers uh, i went into marketing he went into finance mm-hmm. uh, thank god he did somebody has to earn the money uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i mean um, so i i think he and i have remained best friends throughout our uh, long association now that we have known each other we've known each other for 19 years now so that's that's a very very long time and we still sort of share everything that goes on with us we've realized that relationship has also grown and evolved over time um, but i think the biggest change happened after our son was born uh he is eight and a half now like i mentioned before and uh, i think that was really the step change hmm. when we realized that there were so many things that we wanted to do because he is now in the picture so that sort of colors the way that we look at life also and that we make a lot of our decisions and uh, prioritize things over uh, others as well so yeah i mean that's that's been a fundamental shift in the relationship so to say post his birth but uh, i mean yeah so um i'm single and to me then it becomes interesting to have a younger parent come on because then i can mm-hmm. talk about parenting a little bit so for me like as a within toastmasters and stuff i was coaching a lot of people and they okay. they were like my kids to me right okay. so and then like obviously navigating my relationship with my parents as i grow older i i always mm. find parenting as an interesting topic which is why i brought up your family um mm. so you mentioned that like you know both you and your husband after your son was born like really sort of realized the bigger act that is at play yeah yeah in in that vein like can you elaborate a little as far as how have you changed as a person uh being a parent beyond just like you know paying attention to more things and being more careful which every parent has to do sure 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 from your personal point of view what, what do you think has changed in you for the better or for the worse 
Sure, sure. So, so Weber, I would not really classify it as better or worse because ultimately, I mean, everybody makes their own personal choice. What would have been more appropriate, I think, is how I would put it. Um, so, obviously, apart from the basic safety and taking care aspects of things, I we've just realized that we want to set as good an example for him as possible. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we don't want to be those typical, you know, those, like I said, for my stories also, I, I don't want to say and ask him to follow. I would rather do and ask him to follow. Mm-hmm. So if we are trying to um, ask him to imbibe a certain behavior, like, for example, stop eating junk food, which is an Achilles heel as far as our family and our household is concerned. Um, we are we are trying to cut down on that ourselves as well uh, instead of only telling him that uh, dude you can't eat junk food every day because we re- we realize that it doesn't work if i tell that to him and then then i eat the same uh, crap after an hour yeah. so so yeah i mean that's just a small example to just basically show that uh, uh, the point is more leading by example rather than leading by uh, saying and we've always encouraged freedom of two-way communication with him. Hmm. So he started speaking slightly late at about uh, 14 to 15 months old. Mm-hmm. And for maybe a brief period of two, three months when he was small, we were a little bit worried as parents that he is not yet speaking. We had no cause to worry. Since the day he started speaking, he is not stopped till today. So he's like this non-stop garrulous chatterbox and he has a million questions to ask about each and everything. What we've consciously tried to inculcate and encourage him to do is to uh, ask questions in case anything doesn't uh, sit right with him, in case he doesn't understand anything, in case he has a different point of view, which may be different from ours. Hmm. So It's not that just because we are his parents and we say something that it is taken as the gospel truth by him. No, he challenges us back at every juncture and we have encouraged that very, very actively. There are still times uh, now that during uh, normal conversation, he'll ask me some random question about something that he was uh, doing in school. So, for example, just yesterday, he came back and he told me that I just learned the matrix system of multiplication. Hmm. I said, what, what is that? So he said something. I said that obviously I have not done it in the past. I have done the usual way of doing multiplication with the crosses and whatever. And why don't you teach it to me? Hmm. So, and, and that is a perfectly normal conversation. So it's not that because I'm the parent and he's the child that it always has to be unidirectional from our side to him. I mean, you, uh, you've given him the space to teach and you yourself have opened up to learn and then you become an example for him that hey look I'm willing to learn you should also be willing to learn exactly exactly but sometimes we also realize that it has its flip side and sometimes we also realize that maybe we take him too much granted as an adult ultimately he's still a child and we need to have that safety net around him to ensure that he doesn't feel uh, uh, you know just left out to fend for himself yeah but that's like i mean you you don't stop trying but it it is kind of impossible to maintain that balance right yeah yeah for you to remain objective when it's uh so there's an actor uh by the name of travis willingham uh Mm -hmm. he's a voice actor and he's on a show i watch called critical role which is a D &D show so when he and his wife who are both actors on that show they had their first kid he described that 
it's like your heart jumped out of your chest and started walking <laughs> right so how That's are you so supposed apt. To, how are you supposed That's to be so objective about it? Yeah. yeah 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 but but actually if you ask our son i think he will say that uh, we are quite i mean and this is his feedback so a curious thing happened uh, i think last month and uh, he came back from school and he said uh, mama do you know that this girl uh, has a cell phone and i was still trying to process that where is he where is this conversation leading to do i want a cell phone he's in grade 3 okay 3 mm-hmm. uh, do i want a cell phone or am i feeling left out that i don't have a cell phone or do i want to uh, do i want to borrow your cell phone and give me access to- I, i i was still figuring out where the conversation was going and then he surprises me by saying i i think her parents should be a little more careful she, it is too young uh, to have a cell phone at this age <laughs> and i was like oh my god either so you are like super self actualized or you are just testing me and i took it at face value and i let it be i said yeah 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 you're absolutely right i think what you're saying makes sense this is not the right age to have a cell phone <laughs> so that was just his tiny way of pushing back i don't know i don't know if that was what he was hoping for as an answer but i took it at face no if he was trying to reverse psychology you then he realized he's too young to reverse psychology <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's not gotham buddha already he's, he's <laughs> no no i'm sure not <laughs> <laughs> tricks kids play yeah uh, Okay so I think that's a good like we both sighed at the same time it was amazing we're going <laughs> to cut to our last two sections which are very short uh take okay. a break now so uh we're back here with Uttara Talapatra thank you so much for the hour and 10 minutes or so that you've spent with me <laughs> uh, we are in our last two sections uh section number 4 is about principles so generally for a younger guest i ask what are three goals you have and for mm-hmm. older guests i ask what are three principles you've learned over your experiences that we've discussed mm-hmm. um i find that you are among those sort of guests that i have who's a lot, who's able to articulate uh, their thoughts with a lot more nuance than normal because like you're in the communication space so just on that basis i would say what would be your three pieces of advice to me in particular forget the audience my audience I, again i don't get oh my god <laughs> webo i don't think i i don't think uh, i i should be giving you advice i think yeah, uh, let's get past those plat- uh, platitudes and everything <laughs> no it's not platitude because i think the one thing that i uh, wish admire as well as advocate the most is that you should always follow your passion and i think in your case you're already doing that so uh, on on that front i don't think there's anything more that i can add to that it's something that i personally have tried to do in whatever form and way uh, possible throughout my own professional and personal life mm-hmm. and it has it is something which has been challenging at times but in the long term has stood me in good stead so i mean i i honestly have no other inputs on that on that front as far as you are concerned <laughs> like i'm a professional and i can pivot a, i can pivot a question when i don't get an answer <laughs> I, in that case uh what would be the advice you would give to your 20 year old self three pieces of advice my 20 year old self yes oh okay that's an interesting question i think i think the first thing i would i would say is to stand by your conviction Mm-hmm. don't get swayed just because somebody said something and somebody did something and you felt left out 
by and large i think now i more or less follow that but i think my 20 year old self probably did not i probably did a lot of things in life mm-hmm. which i might have done without and therefore i also missed out on doing a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. so i i would definitely tell that the second is i think that uh, persist persist in whatever you do and don't worry about what the end objective would be mm-hmm. because as long as you do well you do whatever you do well the results will follow mm-hmm. so that is something that is very honestly webhav that is hard one wisdom yeah. um, because there are so many times in life when i have actually sort of given up when i have been on the brink of yeah. achieving something and then i then i mean sometimes it is it only takes 6 months and 6 months down the line you realize oh shit if i had just kept at it for maybe another month i mean sometimes that's the delta that you're talking about is yeah. that things would have been so different so i think that persist would be the second one and the third one i would I, i would simply say that just enjoy life i mean life is too short to be too serious i think i'm less serious now when than when i was younger so i think just don't be serious it's okay it's okay to put your head down and it's okay to chill and it's okay to take things easier so yeah i like that see uh, i lied to you this wasn't advice for your 20 years old self it was for me uh, there i, I... <laughs> <laughs> um no but the reason again i didn't i said 20 year old instead of 30 year old self is because we put you in the age bracket of 30 to 50 right see like <laughs> parallel processing always uh, devious devious very devious yeah you know always always i get what i want out of my guest <laughs> i have gotten a lot of a lot out of you today thank you so much for spending the time with me see that segue for sharing uh, for sharing everything we are at the last section now of this uh, interview where you just recommend the audience to go somewhere so if you want talk about your podcast here if you want talk about your books here and if you want talk about any other piece of media that you didn't make that inspired you uh, and you would like somebody to go see it okay okay so let me um, let me stick to the first two bits that you spoke about mm-hmm. and uh, okay. uh, the first part obviously among the listeners that you have and uh, the Maybe. audience base that you however small however large doesn't matter uh, among all the listeners that you have i would request them to definitely go check out some of my work on amazon and on kindle most of it is available to download for free on kindle and you can read it um i would love to hear back from you because um i mean receiving feedback is always good especially as an author and more so for my short stories than anything else because as far as the podcast is concerned i do hear back from the children uh, they are in, they are a really enthu bunch so i i really value that that's that's very nice but i'd love to get feedback on the short stories as well that will just help me become better as a creator and as a writer so uh, i will say to if you've listened this far you here in the podcast thank you for being a fan um there's a description a very detailed description to this podcast where i have linked uh, uttara's books i have linked her podcast check it out definitely uh and as she mentioned feedback is the lifeblood of a creator if you have feedback for me thank you so much you can also leave a question for her in the comments and i will get back to you and i'll reply right there in the comments if you're listening to this via any other platform please do check out my substack that's where you can engage with this so uh, do check out her podcast uh, once upon a time with utra and do check out her uh, collection of books 
which I will link since she has four now. So I'll link all four <laughs> of them in the description. Uh, any other recommendations for the guest? Um, no, I think that's about it. And uh, I mean, if you, if and when you get a chance, uh, try and check out some of the episodes. Give me feedback on that as well. And you can also follow us on social. Uh, I have the same handle on social also. It's called Once Upon a Time with Uttara on both Insta and Facebook. Link below. Thank you so much, Uttara. This has been a wonderful experience for me. I hope it has been the same for you. Thank you so much, Weber. It's been great speaking to you. It's been wonderful being here. And thank you for taking the time and having the patience. This has been Everyday People, Tuesdays at 10, where we talk to people and find out what makes them tick. Uh, signing off for my guest, Uttara Telapatra, and myself, Weber Gupta. See you next time. And there you go. That was Everyday People. Wasn't that a fun conversation? If you have any opinions or thoughts that you want to riff off of from the conversation, you can leave a comment on the Substack page or if you receive this via email, you can reply directly to the email and I will receive your response. Um, if you are listening on another platform, please come over to Substack, webofguptahu.substack.com. I'm working on a shorter domain. Um, this week, uh, we are now starting the next segment in our show which is the mailbag so to send your questions or letters to the show please email webhaguptahu at substack.com so full disclosure on how i have these questions i reached out to a bunch of friends as i always do when i don't have content and i asked them to send questions the original plan was for me to do a separate solo podcast but then i realized that i don't have the bandwidth or the energy to do two podcasts a week so I'm merging it all into one. Um, so this week, the two questions that we're tackling, one is from Prerna, uh, which is, is living alone a boon or a bane? Second is from Purvaja. We'll get to that one. So on the first one, is living alone a boon or a bane? Um, I myself have lived alone uh, two different stints in my life. Uh, once in 2016, which sucked really bad. I was living in a one BHK without power backup and... The quality of life wasn't very high. Plus, at that time, I was dealing with um, a lot of things, a lot of uh, mental health issues. And um, what 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 used to happen was it was, you know, trying to manage all of it, like a job and cooking and cleaning and all of that. Even though it was a one bhk or small, it became difficult for me to get out of bed often. And so there were days when, like, I would have, a huge pile of dishes to do and it would be in the sink for two three days and it stank up the joint and it became worse and it just made living really bad and so that sort of experience living alone um i one would think oh it's bad it's it's so difficult but i still am happy that i did it because then in 2019 when i had a chance to live alone again i was in a bigger house this time with power backup and all of that uh, it was still difficult, but this time, like, I felt a lot more in control. My health and mindset was a lot better. I actually hired somebody to do the cleaning of the house. And then after that, the rest I could manage, like cooking and all that. Uh, and I'm still learning. I think uh, sometime in 2023, I might choose to live again alone. I might choose to live alone again. And... Um, I personally feel that it is good just because A, there is a 
there is a lot to be said about the freedom of having your own space, right? With nobody interrupting your uh, whatever work you're doing, nobody sort of taking up uh, mental bandwidth. I know it sounds bad, uh, but sometimes when you want to focus, it's really hard to do it with other people around you. Yes, uh, if you're going to live alone, make sure to put into place systems that allow you to maintain it easier. There's laundry, there's house cleaning, there's cooking, there's washing dishes, there's, if you have pets like I do, there's maintenance for that. And all of that will take time and effort and you have to factor that into your plans. But it also presents the opportunity to learn to optimize these things. For example, now I'm a lot better about uh, food prep, like meal prep, making ingredients and keeping them frozen and then using them quickly and easily through my uh through the week of cooking. So definitely give it a shot. Definitely give living alone a shot and experience and relish the difficulty of it because then you understand how complicated life has become uh, for an urban citizen and it makes you stronger ultimately. The problems of today uh, will feel like the trifles of tomorrow or will become the trifles of tomorrow, right? Whatever is hard for you to manage today will be a lot easier to manage uh, later uh, once you've done it a few times. Remember that we as, as human beings, our bodies are systems that optimize effort, right? So the more you do something, the easier it becomes. And learning to do all of these things in general is good for you. So like even if you're not planning on living alone forever, living alone for a year or two, gives you that experience of understanding first of all what goes into managing a house and then when you eventually live with someone else then you're an asset and you're helping out rather than sitting at home doing nothing hoping for somebody else to take care of all of it for you that sort of lifestyle uh, doesn't exist anymore shouldn't exist anymore and everybody in a household should be able to contribute together and make it easier so definitely give living alone a, uh, a go by yourself and learn from that experience and relish the pain, relish the learning. Second question from uh, Purvaja, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? See, now that's the cliche question and the boring answer of what I would do, um, I'm actually quite satisfied financially where I am. Like, obviously I could do with more, everybody could do with more, but my needs are being met and I've been very careful about keeping my um, needs low as much as possible. So with what I'm making now, I'm quite satisfied. So a million dollars is how much? 10 lakh dollars. That means at this at the current exchange rate, 8 crore rupees. That's a lot. So in India, 8 crore rupees, uh, how I would, the boring answer of how I would spend it is probably just like, you know, buy a house worth two, two and a half crore, a, a proper like nice house. And the rest, like, probably break it up into 20% goes to two different charity uh, charitable causes, 10%, 10%. And the rest, like I uh, break up into like 50% savings, 50% investments. Oh, actually, this is the perfect opportunity to plug. Uh, the, the blog post I wrote this past Friday was um, about my financial system, where I put away 50% of my income every month, regardless of what uh, difficulty in, and lifestyle changes it forces. And now that I'm making more, it's a lot more comfortable. When I started, it wasn't so comfortable. But yeah, like uh, in practice, I find that 
saving some amount of money gives you the um, confidence to invest other amount of money in more sort of diversified portfolios so if i had the million dollars or the 8 crore rupees yeah about 4 crore of that would go into 2 crore of that would go into savings and 2 crore of that would go into investments um 1.5 to 2 crores would go into uh two different charitable causes Pro- uh, probably one of the causes i would choose is charity water or a more local water supply uh charity just because i think water is one of the most basic human rights and wherever we are not able to provide f- free and potable water to people is one of the greatest tragedies of our system um another charity i would go for probably is mental health stuff because mental health matters real a lot to me so i understand like there's so many different charities like stand up to cancer and um you know project trees and so many other things that are doing good work and saint jude's children hospital and so on for me personally i would probably invest um and sort of help grow a mental health education and training resilience training program so that's what i would do with a million dollars do you want a more fun answer i would spend it on cars and no none of that interests me like my needs are met by buying one switch nintendo switch game every 3 months or so i'm good man i'm good in my life where i am yeah so a million dollars is a lot of money that i don't need and i'm going to do the boring thing of investing it here and there well that's the mailbag segment sorry that ended very anticlimactically uh, but if you'd like to send a letter or an or a question to the show please uh, email vaibhavguptahu@substack.com link is in the description now on to the last segment of the show letters to myself Uh, so letters to myself was a blog format that i read in 2016 the same time i started uh, everyday people uh, that's when i started letters to myself and i've been looking for a way to bring it back and i think adding it to the podcast is really good because it gives that extra weight of audio and you can hear the mindset that i come into it with so uh, it's a vulnerable sort of open journal and i hope that you find some value in it. letters to myself hello babbav as i write this to you i'm in a fair amount of pain my shoulders are short and my rear delt is real dead this is the third week we're working with a personal trainer it's been easier actually the whole idea was that i surrender the decision making of fitness to somebody else so i can work on the blog and the podcast and other things that i want to do it's been working well here i am bringing back letters to myself in a longer version of everyday people it's an experiment with a new format the most interesting thing about being consistent and trying new things is i can see this becoming a show a production i'm finding myself more and more satisfied with how it's developing it's becoming something that i'm proud of we are now about 2 months out of depression the latest acute phase started in november 2021 so it's been a year 
my journal says that the breakdown that started it was November 26th. I'm still on medication, though it's just a maintenance dose. I've been feeling so much more clear-headed in recent weeks. I'm able to sit and work on something for two to three hours, no sweat. This seemed impossible at the start of the year, when I was working one day a week. Now, with the third or fourth acute phase behind me, I find myself already moving towards better health and career and all of that. I'm living my life and I've automated my life to a level where I'm regularly starting a day quite happy. Don't know how you're doing, but if you found yourself revisiting this, then remember, at this point in time, we were happy. Hope you're well. Time is a sine wave. Farewell.